Rogers scrambles He's left, winds up, runs the ball. He's got time at the 10 to the 5. Yes. To the end zone. Touchdown. And a dagger. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Gone for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Hey, yo, Packer fans, what's going on? Welcome to the Packers Trilogy podcast presented by the Wisconsin Sports Trilogy, the podcast for diehard Packer fans by diehard Packer fans. I am your host, Trevor. You can find me on Twitter at Bender underscore Trevor. And I am joined, as always, with my two good buddies, Scott the Vanilla Gorilla and Tyler, a.k.a. T Plush. You can find Scott on Twitter at Vanilla7Gorilla and you can find Tyler on Twitter at Tyler Kurth. And if you didn't know, today we are going to recap the Packers' victory against the Seattle Seahawks 28 Ayo. to Woo! 23. Let's and go. a Packers' birth to the NFC Championship game against the 49ers. We'll get to that more next week. But how are you guys doing after that big, big win in Lambeau Field? Words can't describe it, man. We've been waiting a couple of years for this. As Aaron Rodgers said, it's been a while, and man, it was worth the wait. What a great game. I can't complain at all. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, they made it interesting in the second half. Um, like we talked about in the preview pod, we've got that history with the Seahawks. It's kind of nice that they made it close in the end. It just It's even sweeter to take that win. Um, go pack go damn I'm excited yeah I I am super excited too and like you said especially with all the this this rivalry was has been a pretty big one and it just that's always what seems to have happened and it's always close games we can never get anything that's a blowout or anything, even though it kind of felt like that early in this game. And I was really hoping that that was going to happen because I, I feel like I needed that. At least my heart did. And I was freaking out in this game, but you're definitely right. It being close and having some heartbreak for the Seahawks feels right because I mean, you look back to that 2014 NFC championship game very, very similar scores, but the Seahawks won that one 28-22, as I'm sure you all remember. Sorry for bringing that up, but it is just so great to beat this team. Um, and Russell Wilson continues to impress me, and he is, by all accounts, he better be a Hall of Famer. But it just, it just feels so good to get this win against them. So let's dive into our recap, boys. Um Whoever wants to start, let's let's do our first takeaway, and I really think that should be number 17. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you went right there, Trevor. Devontae Adams was absolutely incredible tonight. Eight catches for 160 yards, which was history tonight 
for a Packers postseason record, which is kind of shocking, I thought anyway. And then the two touchdowns were obviously huge. He had that huge one in the first quarter, just uh, I think it was a fake slant into a go route, just completely burned the Seattle's defenders. And, I mean, everyone complained all season, like, oh, the Packers are just, you know, forcing him the ball, and that's why our offense is kind of getting stagnant and struggling. But I don't know. What I saw tonight was Devontae Adams was either A, completely wide open, or B, Aaron Rodgers was getting him the ball, like, on extended plays or broken plays. So, it was just Devonte Adams making plays and getting open and being in sync with his quarterback, and it was awesome to see. And like most teams this year, the Seahawks had no answer for him. Obviously, they started doubling him later in the game, and Rodgers was able to find other guys in situations where it mattered the most. But Devonte Adams did a majority of the damage, as you mentioned, and should be a great talking point moving forward this week. Yeah, I I think you're right. I do not think in this game Rodgers was forcing him the ball at all. I believe it was I believe it was in the fourth quarter, partway through the fourth quarter they showed a graphic um from the next gen, next gen stats and it talked about how often Devante was featured in this game, you know, 45% of dropbacks were throws to Adams. Um, they had him at like 6.7 yards per route, I believe. And then the last one, which is the most interesting to me, he was 70% of his routes over 70% of his routes. He was getting three plus yards of separation and in for NFL standards, that's pretty wide open. So if you're getting that on 75% of the routes you're running, yeah, you probably should be getting the ball as much as he did in this one. And like you said, he completely made Seattle pay for it. I mean, eight receptions, 160 yards, and two touchdowns. Definitely cannot complain about that. He just had an absolutely phenomenal, huge game that really led the Packers to getting it to the NFC Championship game. All right, Scott, do you have any more on Devante, or do you want to move along to something else? Um. Well, I think Tyler brought up that he was in sync with Aaron and it was something that you and I talked about on the preview pod really quick. Um, just him being a little bit off overthrowing his receivers. Uh, he didn't do that today. He, he took care of business. He looked like the efficient Aaron Rodgers. Um, he went 16 for 27, but several of those were throwaways. Um, when you look at his targets, um, he missed Jimmy Graham one time, Aaron Jones one time, Kumro one time. Again, these are also um, on the receivers too. But he looked just like that surgical passing that he used to have. It was it was great to see. I think I think that's a good point. Um, there was a lot leading up to this game, especially after that Detroit game with, you know, is Rodgers going to be able to do enough in the postseason to allow them to win games? And I think for the most part, he was pretty damn good Aaron Rodgers. Um, maybe not vintage Aaron Rodgers, but I thought he was really good. There were some things, the throwaways on some occasions, I'm like, just get the ball out sooner and you don't have to throw it away. But for the most part, when he was throwing to receivers, he was 
pinpoint accurate tonight. And if he's able to keep that going, um, who knows what this team's going to be able to do with if he's on, obviously Devante is a monster and then Aaron Jones as well. It'll be really fun to watch and see how far that this team can go. Yeah. You brought up Aaron Rodgers like having him to be like phenomenal and he really was mainly the last drive of the game. Like you think about how much heat Matt LaFleur would have taken if they would have thrown incompletions on two straight passing plays leading up to the two minute warning he would have never have lived that down, but Aaron Rodgers is able to find Devonte Adams before the two minute warning and then finds Jimmy Graham, obviously after that. So those were two great plays where the Seahawks, I think kind of said, you know, let's make Aaron Rodgers beat you. And he did. I mean, he showed up when it mattered the most. And it's not like he was bad the rest of the game. He was great most of the game, as he mentioned. And I know going into the game, I wasn't able to join you for the preview pod, but I was like, okay, we need to feed Aaron Jones, get him over 100 yards. But 21 carries on 62 yards tonight. It felt like he started off strong, and then his carries kind of diminished, at least in total yards-wise, after that. But, I mean, still the 21 carries is good to see. It resulted in a really balanced attack by the Packers tonight, and that obviously helped them secure the win. Yeah, and I... I really think this Aaron Rodgers thing is important um, because he's not going to be able to carry us like 2011 Aaron Rodgers where we went 15-1. and one. Um, 2014, he's not going to be able to do that again. That's I just don't think he is going to be capable of have, being prime Aaron Rodgers anymore. But, you know, if he makes a few throws a game, and Tyler, you mentioned it, that throw to Devontae Adams, that was a great throw. And... It didn't ice the game, but it was damn close to icing the game. And then, you know, diagnosing the blitz and getting that ball to Jimmy Graham right away um, to get what I I did not think he got the yardage he needed. Um, But based on where they spotted it, I didn't think they were going to be able to overturn it, and that's exactly what happened. But for the most part, I think Aaron did extremely well. Um, And if he plays like this and we get – contributions from other parts of the roster, I think that is going to be huge, Um, especially defensively. I just want to bring up Zedarius and Preston again. They were constantly in Russell's face, constantly in the backfield. Um, They didn't always get the sacks, and Kenny was back there quite a bit as well. Again, not always getting the sacks, but the pressure they put on them, they are not going to see – a guy like Russell Wilson the rest of this postseason. You know, Pat Mahomes is incredible, but he doesn't elude pressure like Russell Wilson does. So if they get back there as much as they did tonight against any other team, they are going to have a lot more sacks than they did tonight. You know, Preston and Zadarius both had four quarterback hits each um, and ended up with two sacks each. I bet you they had at least three sacks each, probably four. Um, had it not been Russell Wilson. So I just, those two played incredible. I thought Kenny Clark played a really nice game. He had a sack. Um, They just, it was an incredible performance from those three. And kind of like we talked about in the preview podcast, that's kind of what I expected with this uh, Seattle offensive line not being the greatest, especially in pass protection. Yeah, I kind of had a, a different take on the pass rush anyway. It didn't seem like to me that the Smith brothers were 
in Russell's face as much as you alluded to, but I think a lot of that did or plays to the part that the Seahawks kind of started rolling Russell Wilson out, especially out of the pocket in the second half. So they were it was kind of a way to frustrate them and not f- make it feel like the Smith brothers weren't in his face as much. But, I mean, as you said, they still end up with two sacks apiece, so you can't argue with that. And, I mean, you kind of have to credit the secondary then because, yeah, they played a lot of soft coverage in the second half, but, I mean, that kept the clock running. They didn't give up a lot of big plays. I mean, you look at the Seahawks side of things, sure, you look at the receiving stats, and Tyler Lockett destroyed us nine catches, 136 yards, but none of them were really big plays. His longest play was 31 yards, and he basically fell down on that play from early in the first half, from what I remember. I mean, J.R. Alexander was amped up all game. He had a couple stupid penalties early on, but otherwise he played pretty tight coverage. Kevin King played a phenomenal game coverage-wise. And then Darnell Savage, you look at him, he, I believe it was him. He should have recovered that fumble on the first drive from the Seahawks, in which I still think was a fumble. So the defense played pretty great, despite the Seahawks adjusting, I think, at least to the aggressiveness of our pass rush. Scott, do you have anything on that? No, I think you guys said it all, man. That that uh, it was a good combination. The front line on the defense combining for five sacks, three tackles for loss. Um, they were getting to him. They were they were containing him kind of well. Um, he had sixty four yards rushing um, to lead them, but. I mean, they shut down Marshawn Lynch. We knew he wasn't going to be a huge factor. I mean, he averaged 2.2 yards on 12 carries, um, so he didn't do shit for them. Um, they they just did a great job, and um, they did what they were supposed to do against that offensive line. Yeah, I would agree. I think I think we said it in the preview podcast that we didn't expect Marshawn Lynch to unleash beast, beast mode or anything like that, but we did expect him in short yardage situations to be effective, and he was um, for the most part. I mean, two touchdowns in this game for Marshawn Lynch. I think you have to be happy with that if you're Seattle, but the Packers did just enough otherwise. I mean, allowing Russell Wilson, who – really was had a great game offensively, both running and passing. I mean, he had a 106.5 passer rating. He had almost nine yards per attempt. You know, he had a good stat line. He just only threw the one touchdown, um, and Green Bay limiting, limiting him there through the air is huge, um, and I think a lot of that was in the first half more so than anything. Um And the other thing, the biggest thing defensively that concerned me, like I said earlier with the sacks conversation, is I do not think that we're going to play another team that has an athlete at the quarterback position like Russell Wilson. Yes, there's guys who can scramble and extend plays and things like that, but it's not like they're going to go for – along of 22 stepping up in the middle of the field like Russell Wilson is going to and make you pay if you're not in your in your lanes and 
not giving him those open opportunities. So I just, that was the biggest concern for me. Like Tyler said, I thought the, I thought the secondary played pretty well. Um, not great. It always seemed like on when the play broke down and Russell Wilson had to scramble, it always seemed like Tyler Lockett was able to get open and he is a really good receiver. So that's probably just mainly that he knows what to do when the play breaks down. And then that sudden breaking to the outside or whatever he ends up doing makes it really hard on the corners. And I completely get that, but it just always seemed like Tyler Lockett was wide open. That's what it felt like to me anyways. I mean, he had a 15 yard average every time he caught the ball. Um, nine reception on 10 targets. He was really, really good tonight, but we were able to withstand it. And like Tyler said, there was nothing like he had a 60 yard touchdown catch. There was nothing like that in this game. So I thought overall the Packers did extremely well with limiting the longs. And if you look, the longest rush was 22 yards for Russell Wilson. The longest pass was 31 if they're able to do that and limit the shot plays, this team is really good situationally in the red zone. They're typically very good at getting off the field on third downs. So I really am excited about this defense. I thought they played fairly well tonight. Um, in the second half, I think they go into that zone, a soft zone a little bit too much. And that's why the Seattle Seahawks were able to come back a little bit. But Overall, the defense, I thought, played extremely well. The only other thing I wanted to mention is I love see, seeing Tyler Irvin in the offense a little bit more. We still don't see it a ton, um, but I like it as a wrinkle here and there, throwing him out there. I mean, that one play where they – it looked like a pitch to Aaron Jones and Tyler Irvin kind of came out of nowhere going the opposite way. It basically acted as a reverse Um taking the pitch and that play I like got super excited I think it was like a seven yard play but I got super excited just to see the new interesting wrinkles and new innovative plays I I was really excited to see that and hopefully we can see a little bit more from him because the kid just makes plays I mean he had two carries for 25 yards in the in the run game um, it'd be interesting to see. I'm sure he can catch the football, so it'd be interesting to get him on some slants and just try to get him in a little bit of space, maybe some wide receiver screens uh, when you have him split out. I think that would be something, just getting this kid in space. I mean, you saw it, you've seen it on kick and punt returns. He can make plays there. Um, I don't see why you couldn't just try to give him some space and see what he can do in the past game as well. And maybe on some leak plays or different things like that, I think he could be really effective. And I love to see that they're using him, but I hope to see it just a little bit more because he is super exciting to me, at least. Do you guys have anything else that you wanted to talk about? Anything else you felt like we have missed on this recap so far? Yes. Um, I just wanted to talk about, um, Keeping an eye on the injury report throughout the week. Uh, we had a few guys going down today. I know we talked during the game about it. Most of them came back during the game. I don't I don't remember. Did Lazard come back or was he done for the day? They, I don't remember seeing him. I, I don't remember seeing I don't remember seeing him either, but I do remember them saying after halftime that he would be good to go. So I don't know if it was just a coach's decision to not play him very much with the okay. 
ankle injury because that's you know that's always finicky to play him. But I, they did say after halftime that he would be that he's cleared to play. Okay. Well, th- between that and um, what kept Blaga out of the game, they said that that um, bug that everyone on the team was catching or it was making the rounds through. Hopefully that's done and doesn't keep going through the team. Hopefully they all isolate themselves and um, don't get each other sick. But uh, that's something that I'm going to be keeping an eye out for daily. Yeah, that's a good point, Scott, because it's impressive that the Packers won without Balaga. I mean, they saw him jog to the locker room early in the first half, and, you know, the Packers decided to start the game without him, obviously, which was, I think, a ballsy decision by LaFleur, but it, it paid off. So the Packers obviously got the win. The only other points I wanted to touch on was, I think it was a good handling of the running backs by Matt LaFleur this game. We saw... Jamal Williams, I think, for one possession, and that was really about it. Otherwise, it was times where, like, Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones were both in the game, whether one of them was split out wide as a receiver or not. But Jones only got really one true series off, which I think is the way you have to handle it because you got to put Aaron Jones out there, obviously. We've been talking about that all season. So he's been managing his load throughout the first 17 weeks, and now you just got to let him loose. And I think – you know, despite only having 60-some yards on 21 carries, LaFleur did a good job of that as well. And then the only other part after that is I just wanted to touch on time of possession. Throughout the game, it was pretty even, but the Packers really dominated it throughout the first half. I mean, look at their scoring drives. The first drive of the game was eight plays uh, for four minutes and 23 seconds. Their second touchdown was nine plays over five minutes. And then their third drive was 11 plays in over four minutes taken off the clock. So the Packers, it felt like, offensively dominated the first half. And then it kind of switched the second half, which made it feel like all the momentum was in the Seahawks' favor. But obviously, they were coming way from behind. I mean, their first drive out of the second half was 10 plays over five minutes off the clock. The Packers answered right away um, on, with a touchdown in five plays, two minutes, 35 seconds. And then the next Seahawks touchdowns took 12 plays and 9 plays, so they took over 10 minutes of game time off the clock there. So, yeah, sure, the Seahawks kind of methodically marched the ball down the field in the second half, but, I mean, the Packers were obviously able to do enough in the first half to help secure that win. So it kind of felt like they were playing, you know, that bend-don't-break defense, which to a sense they were in the second half, but... I mean, they could afford to do that, and without giving up the big plays, it worked tonight. Yeah, I think defensively not giving up the big plays is going to be a theme, especially going up against the San Francisco offense next week. Um, that's going to be something to monitor and keep an eye on. Um, I'm guessing Balaga, who basically was a game-time decision, I am sure he'll be back next week, but Jared Valdir has played really good in the last game and a half or so, game and three quarters maybe, um, that Balaga hasn't been able to play. He's done a very, very good job, Um, so credit to him. I do not think I have anything else on this game unless you guys do. Um, Just just so we're all aware, uh, the 49ers uh, front line on the defensive end is a lot different than Seattle's. So um, 
It'd be nice to have Belaga back. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. You are you are definitely right there. <laughs> um lot more players that can get at the quarterback um and just wreck havoc anywhere on that front line. I mean they they have a pretty astonishing front seven. So definitely having Brian Bulaga back is gonna be huge. Um I think this Packers team is gonna have to play an extremely good full game to go to Santa Clara and win. Um, but I do think it's possible. I think it's something this team can put together. And if we see, you know, Aaron Jones that we've seen basically all year, if we see Devonte Adams that we saw tonight, I, I do think that this Packers offense can put up enough points in San Francisco to win but we will get to more of that next week. So make sure you guys check out the preview podcast that will come out Thursday this week. And also, just so everyone knows, the times are set for the title games. So the AFC uh, next Sunday play at 2 Central Time, 3 Eastern, 2.05 Central Time. And then the NFC, the Packers play in Santa Clara at 5.40 Central Time, 6.40 Eastern Time, just so everyone knows when that game will be. So same time next week, and hopefully we can be talking about a trip to Miami next week at this time. Um, but until then, make sure you guys are checking out our other podcasts and everything at trilogy underscore pod on twitter we have our content on facebook wisconsin sports trilogy podcast so make sure you guys are checking all of that stuff out and until next week go pack go fuck jimmy g yellow weasel